innovative, dynamic, gritty, determined, warrior. This podcast is about the innovators, the leaders on the front lines of adversity, the all-around good people doing good deeds. They are the civic warriors of the world. Witham's guests are the leaders in the nonprofit industry affecting change. They try, they fail, they overcome. Through their stories, we can join forces to become civic warriors. Yeah, so hey everybody, thanks for being here. Um, on the uh, on the show today, we have Ashley Van from the Victory Cup Initiative, which is a 501c3 not-for-profit located in Central Florida. Uh, on here as well, we have uh, my co-host, Ashley Crompier, and also one of my partners here from our Orlando office and with him, Lena Combs. So thanks for being here, Ashley. We really appreciate your time. You know, we uh, we shared some uh, uh, good conversation on our first call and uh, just really love the story that you have and uh, really appreciate you spending the time with us. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Lena, for inviting me to be here. Awesome. So, so Ashley, why don't you start and just, um, you know, give it, give us a little bit of information about, about yourself, how you uh, came to find or fa- how you founded uh, Victory Cup and, and a little bit about the organization. So I am the founder and the executive director of the Victory Cup Initiative, and I am someone who's dedicated to helping others uh, connect with their, uh, to connect with missions that really mean a lot to them, to find the missions that uh, align with who they are and who they want to be and, and how they identify built a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to helping not, um, individuals find a nonprofit that they can be passionate about either to volunteer with, to donate financially, or potentially maybe serve on the board of directors and take a leadership position. It's called the Victory Cup Initiative. Um, we've been around for five years. And in the last five years, we've probably connected over 2,000 business leaders in Central Florida to over 50 nonprofit organizations. We've given away almost $300,000, and um, we've attracted lots of community volunteers and, like I said, local leaders to support the nonprofit organizations. Um, I grew up here in Winter Park, and I am the youngest of five. So um, I'm someone where. Um, Growing up, we always talked about money and how much things cost and the importance of being able to talk about money and how blessed we are to have what we do have. And so because of that, I'm very passionate about generous giving, which led me to want to start a nonprofit um, to teach others about the value and the importance of giving. From your perspective, why do you feel that giving is important? I mean, you kind of touched on it, just, you know, you're very mindful of, of dollars and cents, but why, why do you feel that that being generous and giving to others is is uh, something that we all should do more of as well as something that you're passionate about? Why, why is that? Sure. Well, even though it's been about I believe it's been about three weeks since we last spoke. Um, I think the current environment has is definitely very um, important to why I feel it's important to give and to encourage others to serve. I don't know why I've been given as much as I've been given or been blessed with as much as I've been blessed. And I really feel as though it's my responsibility to be mindful of those who are less fortunate, who those who are 
living in marginalized communities. And I think we all need to always be looking around for how can we um, serve others? I believe personally that God made the earth and that the earth is perfect and that the earth is adequate in serving all the men, women, and children that live on the earth, but that it is man who has um, disproportionately abused its resources. And so that it really is our responsibility to find ways to um, get back to sharing, loving one another, and just really being a part of a greater community. I also think that anyone over the age of 40 is looking for something bigger and better than themselves. They're looking for something that says, hey, my life matters and it's more, there's more out there than just me, the car I drive, the house I live in, um, what's going on just within the four walls. And so um, I've just really called to continually raise awareness for what's really going on in our community. Ashley, what what was it in, in your background? I know we talked about this before, but that created this idea that you to match the people with money to the people who need money. Well, it's really exciting because for my corporate background is as a financial planner with Merrill Lynch. And um, I was there for about seven years. And after that, I moved on to Wells Real Estate Funds, where I worked with a private real estate investment trust. And um, I have experience professionally raising money. But um, after I did that, I started having children and I stayed at home. And I knew that I wanted to take that professional experience and use it to serve the nonprofit community. So I started taking classes at a local organization here called the Edith Bush Institute. And EBI is um, this amazing resource to all nonprofit organizations throughout the state of Florida. And they have classes and it's actually housed and it's a program of a liberal arts college here called Rollins College. And the first time I took a class at Edith Bush Institute, and, and actually the first couple of classes I took to learn more about the nonprofit industry, I would sit in these classes with anywhere between eight to 20 people. And every time we would have a class, the, the facilitator would ask us to walk, go around the room and introduce ourselves and who we are and, and what was our connection to the nonprofit sector. And I was always extremely humbled by the men and women that were sitting in these classes with me. They, you know, I could honestly tell these were people who made a lot of money, but they, their hearts were just overflowing with love and passion for serving something that meant so much to them. I remember there was one woman who had less, lost her baby within three days of her baby's birth. So she started a nonprofit to serve mothers, grieving mothers who had lost their children in their first year of life. Um, there was another gentleman who was extremely passionate about mental illness for veterans. And so he was started an organization about providing shelters for veterans. And as I sat and I listened to their stories and I listened to their personal connections to the work of the nonprofits, I thought to myself, there are so many successful men and women here in Orlando, in all of Central Florida, who want to hear these stories but they're too busy raising their own families or building their own careers or living their own lives that they don't know how to connect to these nonprofit organizations and they don't even know where to get started. And it's interesting because our Victory Cup initiative culminates every year in a breakfast. 
And the two biggest comments that we get every year, and this past year we had 529 people attend our breakfast. And I guarantee you at least 20 people said on their way out the door, the person on the stage was telling my story or I never knew that organization existed. So taking those classes and learning more about the nonprofit organizations, I just realized that people wanna hear the stories of the nonprofit the nonprofits, they want to know what's going on. Um, they want to be able to find missions that they can connect with personally. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you don't hear about it that often either about NFPs connecting other NFPs, right? I mean, I think when I first heard about the concept and how you're how you're approaching it, it's very unique in the sense that you know your mission is to raise awareness and to you know build a build a community and get the dollars in the hands of the people that that have a unique you know mission very, very similar to kind of the mission of our podcast right it's it's to raise awareness issues to identify other nonprofits that we can connect other nonprofits with i've had some cool stories that have come out of even this that you know one nonprofit has listened to a podcast and said wow that i want to talk to that person because like maybe we can work together and i i think what you're doing is is uh is amazing just in 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 bringing people together and sharing stories and giving people the opportunity uh, and doing it in a very fun and unique way, um, you know. I guess I guess my first question is why Why did you pick a breakfast? Why is Why is your your Victory Cup uh, a breakfast meeting? Well, that's really interesting. You know, when I was started attending those classes, I was a stay at home mom before I kind of went back to work. And originally, we were going to do a lunch, but the first year that I we launched the idea of the Victory Cup, and I say we, it was it was really just me and my. 83-year-old dad who I said, hey, what do you think about this idea? And he said, you know, good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't really know a lot of, my business career was in Atlanta, Georgia. So we lived back here in Winter Park, Orlando, Florida at the time, and I didn't really have a lot of business connections. But I am a natural networker, and I know when most people hear that word network or networking <laughs> event, they're like, oh, God, that sounds so miserable. But I really think networking is all about just like sharing who you are and what you have to offer and learning about what other people have going on so you can find a way to maybe connect and support each other. And so I literally had coffee with 88 people that I did not know that very first year um, to say, hey, I've got this idea. We, I'm thinking about hosting a lunch where we have 10 nonprofit organizations get up and during the lunch, they each have two minutes to pitch who they are and how they're making an impact. And at the end of the breakfast, we would like to invite everyone in the audience to vote. And at the end of the breakfast, we're going to give away $25,000. So, hey, what do you think about that idea? And two, would you be interested in buying a table if we created this event for $500? That was my big closing sentence. Oh, nice. And, <laughs> you got to yeah, raise the really 25 big. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so people, there are actually two people who said, one person said, that's a horrible idea. They said, um, and I, I'd love to tell Lena off camera who it was, because she knows this is a small town. But um, that person has since come around, but they said the people will only vote. They will vote for the organization that their table captain wants them to vote for. And I said, no, that won't happen, because when the people walk in the room that morning, we really have no idea what people are experiencing in their own personal lives. We really can't limit the power of connection that these men and women have when an organization stands up and talks about Alzheimer and dementia and their parents not even knowing who they are or recognizing their sons and daughters when they walk in the room 
or parents who have children with disabilities, you know, we have no idea what that plight is unless you have a child with a disability or a child who's maybe being abused or the power of teaching someone to read. I remember the very first year we had the Adult Literacy League uh, was a, a contestant and they said, if you don't know how to read, you can't fill out a job application. And I just remember that shot like a lightning bolt through my heart. I just, I thought this is what Victory Cup is all about. If everyone in the room can remember that one sound bite about the Adult Literacy League and how important it is to teach people to read. I always, of course I knew it was important to read, but to give that example, I just thought that can change the trajectory of someone's life and really open up give them ideas and ways that they can serve that they would have never thought of before, right? When you talk mm -hmm. about you reading to employment, what business leader does not want to do something to inspire employment, right? Because employment changes so many things for generations to come. Um, I digress about that. The other thing that people would say when I would meet with them is that lunches were too hard for people to get in and out of. And if it, since it was a new event and not a lot of people knew about it, it would really be best to do a breakfast. So the first year we had a breakfast, and I do say the two things people always say is, hey, they were telling my story, or I didn't know that organization existed. The first year, half the people said, oh, we finally get it. We know what you're talking about now, because I was just pitching it to everyone that I talked to. And so that was really exciting. Um, we had 262 people at the very first breakfast, and we had 529 people at this breakfast in, in this last February. So it was really exciting. And then I, I want to go back to, Brad, something that you said about the nonprofits collaborating. You know, there are certain sectors of people. I want, I want to say this the right way. So um, that just the work that they put in is not rewarded by how much they are paid. And for example, I think of teachers, maybe police officers, um, maybe like city of city workers. And th there's just, there are just industries where we know that people don't get the financial reward that they deserve. And I really believe in my heart that the nonprofit industry is one of those as well passion far exceeds paychecks. And I know as a fundraising consultant, my dad, whenever I'm negotiating a contract, I'm always, you know, surprised at how much people want to pay. And my dad says, well, people think that because you work in the nonprofit sector, you don't want to get paid, that you don't care about how much you make. And that couldn't be farther from the truth, right? Because we all have bills. We all have responsibilities and typically most of us are caring for someone else whether it be older or younger um, so probably the third pillar of the victory cup is about the collaboration between the nonprofit organizations i know um Witham smith and brown has been extremely instrumental in this piece but we have events throughout the year where we bring nonprofits together their leaders their development directors and we try to provide educational content we should provide 
an opportunity for them to network and hear about what's working with the other one. We try to completely eliminate the uh, competition between them. We, we typically will give away financial rewards to all of them just to kind of make it worth their time to come, which I think is, is good. We, we believe more in not a win-win and a like you be the winner and we're going to win too, but we want you to win more than we do more of a, a redemptive frame on that. And um, so we really try to eliminate the competition piece between the nonprofit organizations because we want them to walk away with two to three really strong relationships with other nonprofit organizations in Central Florida that they can reach out to for the rest of their careers for support, advice, wisdom, collaboration. Now, is it an aggressive competition? You mentioned that you try to create non competitive environment, but you know sometimes you can't take that out of people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm a little competitive myself, so I can't put it down too much. <laughs> I mean, we did give away, and we did give away fifty-two thousand dollars this past year, which was really exciting. And you know, I do think that the size of the purse is very important to the Victory Cup. And I have noticed since we started other competitions, doing different things, or are giving away more money, which I think is really important um, to to give away a lot. So, nice. Brad, all the nonprofits are kind of in it together. You know, they go through a storytelling workshop where they learn how to tell their story effectively in mm -hmm. front of the group, right? Part of part of the purpose as well is to teach these nonprofits how to tell their stories to the people who have money in a short enough time frame that they can capture their attention and make their point um, and hold someone's interest, right? The, the quintessential elevator speech type of thing. So they're there together. They watch each other. They they help each other. Uh, they kind of go through the process together. And when you hear them talk at the event, they don't talk about it like it's a competition. They all talk about it like it's an opportunity and what they've learned together. And there's been some fantastic collaborations because even inside the nonprofit space, they don't all know what other nonprofits are out there and what they're doing. So it mm -hmm. creates the same opportunity for learning for them inside the space as well as for those outside in the not in the space yeah Absolutely. and a great example of that is this past year we had an organization called michelle puppets and this is a woman for the last 25 years she's tackled really difficult issues for children and she's done it all through puppet shows and it's been fascinating and since our february breakfast she's now collaborating with the Lifeboat Project, which is an organization on human trafficking to prevent human trafficking. And so she's putting together a show for them. And she actually was reconnected with the um, Alzheimer's Dementia Resource Center because about 10 years ago, she was doing some work with them. And now they're getting ready to um, roll out some new programs together that they'll be working on. And um, Selena's absolutely right. There are so many different ways um, for them to be collaborating. And, you know, if I'm gonna, if my heart, if, if I'm passionate about Alzheimer's, you know, my, my father has Alzheimer's, so I'm extremely passionate about Alzheimer's. So I wasn't passionate about this cause four years ago, right? But I am today. And so mm -hmm. there's no competition for me wanting to support that group. And I think sure. that's really uh, what Victory Cup does is it's, it's really connecting people, connecting their heart to a cause in our community that they're already connected with whether they know it or not. 
Yeah. And if they get ideas from one another, if that ends up being the case too, then it's just enhancing what their original mission is. And I'm sure everybody's on the same page with trying to help. So that's the goal, I'm sure, across the board. Yeah, absolutely. And some groups are great at social media. Some groups have an amazing golf tournament every year. Some groups do a 5K. Some do a black tie event. You know, everyone has got to find their niche in raising financial support. And I think it's it is important for collaboration, especially for those organizations that are trying to do everything. It's mm -hmm. like, well, hey, pull back, talk to some of the other people that are doing things really well and figure out what's the best for your organization. Yeah. And you said it, like, be unique. I think I think uniqueness is something, you know, everybody holds a golf outing, but you know, you're competing with how many golf outings, you're competing with how many missions, you're competing with how many people. You know, obviously everyone, as you said, I mean, everyone's time is valuable. Um, and, you know, in order to capture their attention, you have to capture their attention. You have to find a way that makes people believe in your mission. And, and generally speaking, um, you know, people people support causes that are personally relatable to them. So as you said, you know, maybe four years ago, you may not have been, uh, you know, the number one cause for you may not have been Alzheimer, Alzheimer research, or uh, developing some type of some type of solution. However, now you may be experiencing something personal that now that becomes more of a relevant uh, initiative to you. And so, you know, people's trends and habits and uh, what's the word? Can't think of it, doesn't matter. Their uh, passions, you know, they change over time. And, and you know, a lot of that's dependent on life. I mean, I'm sure uh, in light of everything happening right now through COVID-19, through uh, a lot of the protesting going on, I'm sure people's uh, passions and and desires and causes they want to support are drastically changing, right? So even even as we talk today, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's very helpful that you have an organization that people can share thoughts, that can share, uh, you know, share their insights, because 2020 is probably the weird year for most of us. And, you know, I think every day, you know, in our world, in the accounting world, right, this is the boring stuff, you know, every day we get a new fact about the, uh, the PPP loan, right? And, uh, you know, for the nonprofit community, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there are its own uh, every day something is happening. So, you know, it's it's really great what you're doing in that aspect and, and giving people, a, a, you know, not only, hey, we're providing you a place to meet, but we're giving you the tools to maximize that meeting or to, to help, uh, you know, maximize the benefit you're trying to achieve. So I, I think that's that educational component, uh, you know, is definitely a, a very important part, it sounds like, of what you do. Yeah, it is really important, and we've been really lucky to partner with the, with um, several key communication leaders in our community. We work with several uh, instructors at Rollins College. We work with a local columnist, uh, Scott Maxwell. He helps us with the coaching. We work with um, a woman from Disney. We work with someone from the Dr. Phil's Performing Arts Center, which is, you know, our, our big um, uh, entertainment complex here but um it is really interesting to me how many people don't know how to tell the story of their organization they don't know how to share the impact of what's going on and they don't know how to cater it to the person that they're listening to um usually if i meet someone i'll talk to them for 20 minutes before i even will mention a nonprofit because I'm always trying to kind of gauge where their heart is and what type of story. And to your point about a PPP story every day, 
that's something I don't know a lot about, but that is fascinating, right? Telling, not learn, teaching nonprofits how to tell their stories through numbers. You know, it's okay if you had a bad year. It's okay if you had to get rid of a bad employee, but get ahead of it. Talk about it. Know the reasons why. Why was it, you know, why was it negatively affecting your bottom line? And talk to your donors and the people in the community about it so that we're all in it together. I mean, people make mistakes, bad things happen. It's what you do after those bad things happen that is is a real, um, I think, a, a, a community builder. I think within an organization. And I think I think you know one thing in there too is 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 intention. Um, you know, I know in listening to very most successful business leaders, most successful nonprofits, you know, it's okay to try and fail, but it's a question of were you intentional about the try and did you learn from the fail? And I think a lot of times people don't necessarily realize what their intentions are or you know where they focus their time and and if you really take a step back you know there's a lot of things that we do that try and fail but but if you're aimless about it and you don't have a strategy and you don't have and you don't have a, a direction or you don't have a, a vision with it you know you're you're kind of spinning your wheels you're you're going in a fruitless direction and so you know i think um you know teaching people how to how to navigate that i'm sure is probably probably something that that you do well is you know how do you create that vision how do you how do you purport that vision that that makes people believe it? Well, you know, it's really interesting because uh, we will our season, we really kick off in August and then we work through April and then we kind of take the summer off a, a little mm -hmm. bit with, with our, what our strategy and, mm -hmm. you know, it's a few, I'd say two months ago, people were calling me and they were saying, you know, for Victory Cub, why don't you focus on the nonprofits that are being affected by COVID-19 or the nonprofits that are on the front lines of COVID-19. And I thought, yeah, we could do that. But February 2021 is a long way away from now. And then right. just last week, I had someone call me and they said, why don't we, why doesn't Victory Cup focus on nonprofit organizations that are serving people of color or that are dealing with racial injustice? And I thought, yeah, we could absolutely do that. But February 2021 is a long way from here. And I hate to say it, but we don't know what else is coming. Like, we don't know what other tsunamis are on the way. So Victory Cup is at a huge crossroad. We don't really know what the next 12 to 18 months look like. We are financially healthy, so we feel really good about that. But I'm really encouraged. Next week is our board retreat, and I'm really encouraging our board to spend the next couple months listening, listening to what they're hearing within their own organizations, listening to what's going on in the nonprofit community. How can, you know, everyone's telling the nonprofit leaders, be creative, be innovative. I mean, if one more person tells me to be creative and be innovative, I'm like, that's like someone telling you, tell me something funny, quick, tell me a joke, make me laugh, yeah. you know? And so, and I think innovation comes over time. So mm -hmm. we're really focusing on, it's like, how do you make being innovative seem like it's so easy? It's like a really well-run event. You make it look really easy, even though you've been sweating for six weeks, to, you know, putting it all together. So I just bring that up to say that um, a lot of nonprofits, we're, we're at a huge crossroad right now. And um, one thing that we have done really well, and we're kind of trying to figure out what that means is, while we serve the nonprofit organizations, we have a huge following in the for-profit organizations. Our events sell out every year. Um, we have a waiting list. Um, 
I mean, an hour after this year's breakfast, I probably had six organizations text me that they were in for next year. And it's kind of during the last, since March 13th is really when Orlando shut down. Since March 13th, I've probably had 10 people call me from the Victory Cup Breakfast and say, hey, we want to put money on the front lines with organizations who are serving those who are immediately being affected by COVID-19. What should we do? So there's an opportunity right there for Victory Cup to kind of share our nonprofit evaluation process with other donors in the community to kind of help them pick organizations that align with their mission so that they can you know, and it's a great way to build employee morale and increase your employee culture and just get your entire company excited about organizations that you want to support. So that could be something that we do as well. Yeah, I, I like that. Con I like I like I like the way that you're thinking. I like the way that you just approach it. I mean, it's definitely um, not everybody thinks about it that way, which is which is good. You know, from your which perspective, way, what do you mean by that? Which way are you? What are you saying? Just, just the fact that um, not everybody thinks like listen first. People like hear something and then they want to do it. I think your approach to it is a lot more, uh, a lot more. We are, we are who we are, and we're not going to change forever around us. However, there may be circumstances that we probably need to pivot to it, but we're not just going to rush into it. We need to, we're going to go about it the way we go about it, right? Like you have a mechanism, a, a way of going about, uh, even as you said, like the way that you select nonprofits uh, or the way that you, you think about supporting nonprofits. Um, you know, you just mentioned that you have a, a checklist or an evaluation system of how you, um, you know, view nonprofit organizations. I think um, not everybody, not everybody thinks that way. I'm never going to be the smartest person in the room. Never. I'm never going to be the smartest person in the room, but I'm pretty good at finding out who that person is, or at least I'm good at creating a platform where people feel comfortable sharing their ideas and sharing what they know so yep. that we get the cream rises to the top right so we get the best from the people in the room i mean collaboration is something that victory cup is really really good at and um, maybe lena you could speak to that as well but i do think that we work i mean if you in my opinion if you come to a meeting and you don't participate then don't go to the, the next meeting right i, I want to hear from everyone in the room no matter what their role is all right it's definitely a very um engaged group um and and to your point about you know tell me a joke we do are tasked with with trying to innovate and stay relevant right the victory cup's now five years old when it started it was new and and innovative and it still is and there's constantly um the uh striving for what's the next thing. Um, like you know, we have a, a youth initiative where we have middle school kids from two different schools who actually go out to the nonprofits and make videos that mm -hmm. then they share. And part of that premise is teaching children the importance of giving, right? Because some of that's been lost. Um, and also kind of getting them involved in that system. So it's, there's there's a constant striving for doing something new, keeping it fresh, and how do we continue to raise more awareness, have more exposure for the nonprofits, have more exposure for people to the nonprofits, and um, create a sense of collaboration. So, uh, you know, to Ashley's point, it is a great board and everybody 
works very well together, is engaged and participates. There's um, no low hanging fruit. So. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll talk about the youth initiative just for a minute. I'm glad you brought that up, Lena. You know, I'm a mom of a middle schooler. Um, when we started the youth initiative, I wasn't the mom of a middle schooler, but um, you know, for years, this has like been the weapon, right? This is like, what are our middle schoolers, our high schoolers doing with their phones? What is social media all about? What is Snapchat? I mean, I, I can't even think of all the different different uh, mediums that are on the phone that our kids have access to. That's really scary. Um, but at the same time, I do have a 14 year old daughter, and I think Morgan is 16, and everyone on this planet is marketing to my 14 year old daughter and to Lena's 16 year old daughter. And if you don't think they are, then you're completely clueless. And so we as a board a couple years ago, everyone was talking about the millennials. And I, I definitely wanna hear what the millennials have to say. And we have millennials on our board and they definitely have a really smart perspective. And I love, I love you know, listening to different generational leaders, but we kind of agreed, we wanted to hear what the high schoolers think. We wanted to hear what the middle schoolers are thinking because they are the ones who are to so much technologically more advanced than any of us. So we created the youth initiative. So basically we invite, we work with two different middle schools and we invite students to create a one minute, no, uh, is it, this year we upped it, a 90 second video, them telling their story of what the nonprofit organization does. And it has been life-changing. SeaWorld picked it up our first year and I think we ended up with 22 students overall. They invited all the students to SeaWorld for the day. They took them on this backstage pass. They asked the students to create a video telling the SeaWorld story. Then the students created a video telling what the Victory Cup experience meant to them. SeaWorld showed it to all of their employees in the state of Florida. We showed it to everyone. In the video, in the video everyone who participated it said at the age of 13 and 14 said, now I know I have the power to make a difference in this world. And I think that's pretty exciting. And that's to me innovation. But then to keep it going this year, my daughter actually had the opportunity of participating in the youth initiative. So I was able to kind of dig in deeper as a parent, which is always really interesting. And what I under what I uncovered is that the videos are kind of dead now. We need to move into something else. And that as I was interviewing the children and I was around them a lot more, hearing we need to let them decide what is the medium that you want to use to tell the story of the nonprofit organization. So I'm super excited about where that's going to go for next year. And just to kind of go on for another minute, my daughter and her friend, uh, their organization was called the Center for Independent Living. And here in Orlando, this is an organization that helps adults with disabilities find a place to live. It helps them find a job. And it also helps um, wherever they are living be more accessible to whatever needs that they have. So Louise worked with the Center for Independent Living and they help adults with disabilities really just in any way. Um, they have volunteer groups, build ramps. and when she and her friend came home from their very first interview, they were on fire. They, they had no idea about the capabilities of this organization. They were so excited that they were able to like share how this organization was helping people. I mean, at the very end, they said, they kept saying, Chance said this and Chance said this. And for the next 48 hours, everything my daughter said was, 
And then Chance did this, and Chance did this, and Chance was the employee who worked with the kids at Center for Independent Living. And you know what? Chance is the development director for the Center for Independent Living. And if Chance is a role model for my 14-year-old daughter, I think that's a-okay. I think that's totally awesome. And then Catherine, her partner, it was really great because at the very end she said, I would donate my money to the Center for Independent Living. And so I just thought that was really great. And then, of course, I called her dad and said, hold on to your wallet because it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Big ask. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that I think that's an incredible story. And, and to answer your question, I think it's TikTok. I think that's what I think that's the. Yeah, yeah. I like, the, I, I've been hearing that, and, and you know, I'm, you're not you're not going to get me TikToking, but apparently, you know, creating your own little dance videos and voicing them over is the thing these days. So. Well, or, Brad, if, if you and I really are is. talking about it now, it's probably not cool anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, it I'm. Was cool before we knew about it, now it's not so cool. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I realize that. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, and the only reason I use Instagram is not for the reason everyone else does. I just share pictures on there, right? Isn't that the reason why Instagram is created? <laughs> yeah. Now, now it's uh, now it's probably the biggest political platform in the country. So, interesting, right? But sure. anyway, um, so I guess uh, you know, actually, walk us through, I guess, a little bit because we we talked a lot about this, but but not everyone has had the the joy or experience of actually being at one of your events. You want to walk us through maybe 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 how the day goes or or you know how nonprofits kind of get involved and and how it how it evolves from there how they get you know selected as a as a winner yeah, you know, maybe maybe give us a little story about that or to uh, put frame of reference to it yeah yeah so it's really exciting we open up our applications in September and so people have 30 days to apply for the Victory Cup it's a very simple application it's about 15 questions and Typically every year we get about 100 applications. Um, this past year we actually had 10 organizations that had applied for the last five years. So we were really excited that one of those made it into the finalists. So that was oh. really terrific. And we use an online system for evaluating the actual applications. And this is something really neat that we do back to collaboration and back to connecting business leaders and community leaders and anybody with the work of nonprofits. We actually have what's called our community evaluators. So starting in August, there's a team of, well, there are about eight to 10 of us that will work diligently to invite businessmen and women to help us review the applications. So for example, um, Brad, if you were one of our community evaluators, once our application process closes, you would get an email and we would ask you to evaluate anywhere between eight to 10 applications and we give you two weeks to do that. So then at the end of October, we have all, um, all 100 applications have been evaluated at least eight to 10 times by eight to 10 different people. So what that means is this past year, we had 85 community evaluators helping us select the final 10 nonprofit organizations. And that in itself is a really exciting program. And that's really our program for business leaders. So in October, we host a big breakfast. We invite all our community evaluators in. We inspire them. We share, you know, just a little bit about the nonprofit sector. But we really stress the integrity of our program and the importance of their involvement and how much we need them to help us pick the final 10. And then that's really neat because then for the next two or three months, they say, you know, my my favorite one didn't make it or I didn't, you know, the one oh, yeah. <laughs> picked made it into the top. And it is interesting because 
so many people will say, oh, I picked the winner. <laughs> and that's really, if you look at the numbers, almost impossible for all everyone we know to say they picked the winner. But anyways, um, so community evaluators evaluate the applications in November. And then in December, we do a debrief where we announce the 10 finalists and we have a meeting where we go over the rules of the competition. And then starting in January, we start the training. So we do storytelling training for all 10 nonprofits and everything that we do, each nonprofit has to bring three people from their organization. And we do that because we're making a huge investment in them. And we know that there is high turnover typically in nonprofit organizations. And so we want our investment to stay with the actual organization. So that's something that the nonprofits struggle with at first. They're like, gosh, how are we going to take three people, you know, out of the office for that event or this training? But as soon as they come to the first event, they're so happy. They say, this is the best team building we've ever done. You know, I'm so happy I got this time out of the office with Lena or Ashley. It was just terrific. And so during January, we do the training. We also invite our very top corporate sponsors to any event that we have of the 10 finalists. So if you've given $10,000 or more to Victory Cup, you're invited to everything that we do because we want to provide a marketing or a networking opportunity for, um, for our biggest benefactor. So that's really cool. And then at the end of January, we do a dress rehearsal. And this is probably the most stressful part of our process. We, um, we have a panel of five leaders here in Central Florida. And the nonprofits have to come in and they have to actually give us their presentation. And this is done two weeks before the actual breakfast. And um, after they give us their presentation, we give them some extremely constructive feedback um, about their two and a half minute program. And it's really tough on the nonprofits. We're very honest with them. But at the same time, we're giving them an opportunity to share in front of 500 people and we don't want them to mess up. Right. Again, we don't want them to be nervous. We want them to put their best foot forward and we want them to get to the podium that morning and feel like I've got this. I'm ready, you know, and mm -hmm. win or lose. I did my best today. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really, really exciting part that we do is, is the dress rehearsal. Um, so that's a, that's a really big day for us. Um, and then a couple weeks later, we have the Victory Cup breakfast. We have a ton of volunteers. We probably have about 40 volunteers help us with the parking lots, directing people to the event. It's We do it on a college campus at Rollins College, which is in the heart of Winter Park. And we do it on the, their second floor gym because we needed a space that big. And they yeah. said, yes, and they do it for us. For, people. So we can't beat that. You know, that's fantastic. And the first couple years I had a DJ that I loved, <laughs> but now we've moved into a string quartet. So we have a string quartet and, um, oh, you know, another really nice compliment is people just talk about all the leaders that are in the room and that it's, and I think that's really exciting because I don't know who 80% of those people are. You know, I'm, I'm behind the scenes. But, you know, Lena's got a, a great table. Greg's got a great table. Carrie's got a great table. And so it's it's a lot of really influential people. So that makes it kind of the place to be, which is just a, a huge blessing for our organization. And Lena, maybe you could talk to that as well. And then we kick off the program. We explain the rules to the audience members. Each organization has two and a half minutes to pitch who they are and how they're making an impact in our community. And at two and a half minutes, we have a pianist who starts playing music and he plays them off the stage. 
And um, when it, the program is over, it takes about 26, 27 minutes. Thank you to Witham, Smith & Brown. We have a text message voting um, software that we use that they sponsor. And so we have a team that they stand up. We provide ambassadors for all the guests to make sure that they have their phones and they're able to vote and everyone votes. And Lena kind of oversees that process and she lets us know when we've gotten 90% of the crowd has actually voted. And it takes about, I would say three to five minutes at the most. More really, it takes about two to three minutes. And, but we, we hold it open just to make sure. And then as soon as it's over, we announce the winner and first, second, third place, first place gets $20,000, second place gets $15,000, third place gets $10,000. And this year we were really excited because the other seven contestants got $2,500. Um, but they continue to receive gifts after that. One group received $10,000 the next day, the Christian Service Center, they've got $10,000 the next day. Family Promise, they got $500 the next day. Michelle Puppets, they won a grant for $15,000 because of Victory Cup. And then we did have a family foundation in the audience who sent all 10 nonprofits an additional $2,000. So it's really exciting um, to see the excitement in Central Florida that happens the 30 days after the event. Um, typically their, their fundraising events sell out if they have them in the spring after our event. And they get they get a lot of notoriety in our community for the next 12 months for participating in Victory Cup. So it's a huge amount of exposure for these nonprofits. And even if they bomb, which they don't, but even if they get up there and they bomb, they're still, because of the numbers, there's still five to 10 people that want to go up and talk to them afterwards and say, hey, you told my story, you know, how can you help my little brother? How can you help my grandmother? How can we connect? It's it's just a really, really powerful morning. So now with the uh with the with the presentation, so you said they're two and a half minutes, right? Mm -hmm. is, is there any magic behind the two and a half minutes? I know, uh, like, like for example, like TED Talks are 17 minutes because there's this whole psychological component about how that's the perfect amount of time to share what you have to share. Is there any magic behind the two and a half minutes? Well, it is interesting. When I first had the idea, I was in my dad's driveway and I said, hey, dad, what do you think if we had this lunch and we invited 20 nonprofits to pitch, you know, but they only had like a minute or two to do it. And my dad said, well... He's from Kentucky. He said, I think that's just too much time. I don't think people have an attention span to hear from 20 nonprofits. Why don't you do 12? So then we narrowed it down to 10. And the reason why we came up with the two and a half minutes, at first we came up, it was just two minutes. They had two minutes to pitch. But I gotta tell you, they complained so much that very first year that there's no way they could do it in two minutes. So I don't like to say this, but we did kind of get nudged a little bit. So we said we would give them two and a half minutes. But when I get pushback about the two and a half minutes, I remind everyone that no one's listening after 20 seconds. No one's no one's reading the third line of your email. No, you know, people are moving fast. People are being pulled in a lot of different directions. As a nonprofit leader, you've got to be able to connect, share your mission quickly, and then you know, is there interest? Is there potential for support if not you got to move on so i think it's really important if it were up to me i think we could get it down to a minute and then when you see the youth initiative videos and you see how much they accomplish in just a minute 
it is really um it's inspiring to see that now that as long-winded as i've been today i'm really sorry <laughs> about that but um i think i think it's better to be succinct articulate yeah i would agree <laughs> no that, that's 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 good to hear and i think um yeah it's, it's always interesting how how like how you know this this is created and evolves right like you know you, you learn what the right amount of time is or you learn how many people you need to have or you, you know all that comes through feedback it comes through you know what's funny is probably the first gut reaction is probably the right one right when you're going to create this like yeah, it's gonna be two and a half minutes ten people and then someone's like it should be 25 you're like yeah it should be 25 and then you're like nah it should be 10 again you know like i feel like i feel like it's funny how the evolution like always comes back to like your original reaction of this is what i think because for whatever reason, you know, God bestowed our original thought as the right thought, and then we complicate it by overthinking it. But <laughs> well, and you know, it's interesting. I mean, I can think of about. I mean, we've worked with fifty-one nonprofit organizations so far. So, but mm -hmm. I can think of about five leaders who, throughout the process, have said to me, "I'm a really good speaker. You know, I speak all the time. I've been talking to groups for the last twenty-five years." And I think to myself. I didn't even hear one word you just said because I, I can't even pay attention. Like, you're not a good speaker. Like, we want to help you be a better speaker. I know I'm being a little sharky now, but like, it's, it's <laughs> like an people get too comfortable. I think people get too comfortable and they have a fiduciary responsibility to always be learning and always, you know, trying to be better. And um, I mean, there's one person, there's two people in particular that um, when I called him to let him know that he had was a finalist in the Victory Cup, this is about three years ago, he said, oh, I'm just walking into this UN meeting. I'm getting ready to present. And I thought, oh my gosh, we picked someone who's an expert, you know, he's gonna blow everybody out of the water. No, he didn't blow anybody out of the water. He's probably like ninth or 10th in the voting. He, he, was, he did speak a lot and his nonprofit was this amazing organization he didn't know how to connect with the audience. Mm. He didn't know how to ask questions to kind of figure out where people were before he started speaking. He didn't, it was, it was just really interesting. So, um, but he's someone who loves collaborating with the other nonprofits. And whenever we talk to him, he comes to every event that we have and he says, I just love being around the other nonprofit leaders. I learned so much from them. So he was able to find, you know, what he needed out of Victory Cup. Yeah, you're teaching everybody too how to refine what they're saying so that as many people that have the opportunity to speak, it opens the doors for clear representation of what they're doing. So everybody walks away understanding and their attention has been held. If it's, if you're right, if it's over a certain amount of time, it's harder to get the message across and to kind of let people soak it all in for really what they want to be the, the message that they want to be getting across. So you're teaching them that. And then these children that are interacting and involved in that program, they're probably going to grow up with a different mentality about giving and what it means because they're involved at a young age too. So across the board, um, it's about getting the message across and inspiring excitement amongst these organizations. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, if I had to think of who who ends up doing the best to me in any type of presentation or meeting, it's those people who are the most authentic, right? Like it's okay to say, "Hey, I'm nervous," or it's okay to just be yourself and share what's going on. Um, 
we had one one organization called Jobs Partnership, which is a really neat organization here in town, and they provide job training for a, a, a lot of um, individuals from marginalized communities. And they had this gentleman named Pastor Robertson, and he hands down was the most popular guy in any of the events that we had, any of the trainings that we we uh, facilitated. Everybody loved him, but when he would get up to the podium, for some reason he would get really serious and he would lose his personality. And I kept saying, Pastor Robertson, we want to just speak from your heart. Like, you've got a great story. You've got a great talk, but just speak from your heart. And I was so excited because when it finally came time for him to get up and, and present, and this was last year when we had, I think we had about 485 people last year, he got up and he got real close to the microphone and he got real low. And he goes, she didn't tell me there were going to be so many people here. And the <laughs> whole place just started roaring, laughing. And then he, ended, you know, he proceeded to go and tell this great story about how they had changed this woman's life. But he won second place. And I think he oh, told wow. a great story. But I think he really got everyone out of their chairs and immediately connected to him because he just was real. And we have another woman who she we had a, a woman from Next Step Orlando, and she was a 24 year old paraplegic who had been in a horrible car accident. But her whole life, she was a dancer. And when she got to the um, when she was on stage and we start the clock, we start the clock when they say their first word. And so her name was Amanda. And when Amanda said her first word, we started the clock and then she blanked out. And for like 15 seconds, she could not remember her next line. Oh, no. And she's looking and she's looking and she's looking and her mom is off to the side and her mom starts walking towards her. And then she goes, boom. And it's like she woke up and she went right into her speech. And she said, there are, she said, there are hundreds of gyms in this town and there isn't one gym for someone like me. And it just brought the house down and everybody started crying. She ended up winning that year. And it was so interesting when we called her name that she won, she was in the bathroom crying because she thought she had done such a bad job because she had missed the first 15 uh -huh. seconds. And so, you know, so much of what we do, whether it's, you know, work in accounting or help people tell their stories better, or you're a doctor or you're a teacher, it's about being authentic loving others, listening, and just figuring out, hey, how can I serve those around me? And how can I of those who are at a disadvantaged circumstance that I don't even know about and I couldn't even contemplate because of where I am right now? And um, that's really what the Victory Cup is all about. And it's just been, a, it's such an honor to serve these nonprofits and, and hear, hear about the work they're doing. There is one other thing I want to say, and um, I had a really cool moment this past week. I really like it when I get the sound bites from the nonprofits, and I remember them for the rest of my life. And I, I could give you 10 right now from 10 different organizations because they mean so much to me. But there was one, our first year, we had the Seminole County, Seminole County Legal Aid speak, and this young black woman spoke and she was so smart and so articulate. She just knocked it out of the park. And one of her closing statements was, an injustice for one is an injustice for all. 
And I had never heard that. And again, it was like a lightning bolt to my heart. And I thought, that's it. I get exactly what Seminole County Legal Aid does. And, and she had told this really great story about helping a young immigrant. And um, just this past week, I was listening to a TED Talk and they were quoting Martin Luther King. And I guess that quote is from him. And I didn't know that. And again, I just felt like, I, I just felt like it was a really powerful full circle moment of hearing his words, be spoken by her five years ago at this event that's one of the most important events of my life, the, the inaugural Victory Cup. And just to hear um, that woman using his words was just a really cool moment and connecting all of it together. So, wh so what's next? I mean, you, you've accomplished so much in five years. I think, you know, your story of just bringing people together is incredible. You know, what, what's next for Victory Cup? Where do you, where do you want to take it? Where do you, wh what are your, your, your plans in the future? You know, my goal for Victory Cup is that we have a board of directors that's super excited about leading our organization and that's super excited about helping us figure out what's next and that we have leaders who want to engage in serving nonprofits and want to help us figure um, what that looks like. Um, there's so many different directions that we could go into. We could go in other cities. You know, our mission statement is to inspire excellence in our community one story at a time. I love that because I think we could inspire excellence in Birmingham one story at a time. We could inspire excellence in Charlotte, North Carolina one story at a time. I think we could also really help donors um, connect with a mission that they care about so that they feel more comfortable to give more and to engage at a higher level. I think that's kind of a, a different business route that Victory Cup could take. I also think we could give away a, a lot more money. While we've probably had about 2,000 people attend our breakfast, I think we have over 2 million people who live in our city. So there's plenty more people who should be coming and, and hearing the stories and hearing about what's going on. So um, I hope we just continue to stay focused on service, on love, and on excellence. And um, that we are a resource for people who want to do more and be more to those who are less fortunate. That was a good. That was a good uh, sixty-second summary. Thank you. Maybe we could get it down to a minute. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah, good. I think that that sums it up pretty well. So, where does Victory Cup need assistance from the public? You know, do you have does does Victory Cup? You know, if you were to to uh, you know give your elevator speech of how how others you know can get involved, you know what what would that be? And you know what what uh, I guess what would help Victory Cup have more of an impact than you're already having? Mm -hmm. Well, two things right off the top of my head is if you could encourage nonprofit organizations to apply. If you could encourage them to be a part of the Victory Cup experience, if you could encourage them to come to our events, you know, there are so few organizations, like we want nothing from them, but for them to be better and grow stronger. Mm -hmm. So we don't want them to be discouraged if they didn't make it one year, or they didn't make it two years in a row. We want them to keep being a part of our community so we can continue to uncover ways to serve them. So we need to do a better job of really marketing ourselves to the nonprofits and, and to continue them to take advantage of our programs. And then the other thing I would say is if you've been to Victory Cup a couple years in a row, it's kind of like the old church call, like give your seat to someone else, you know, like 
if you've been to Victory Cup for three years in a row and you're not giving away at least $10,000 a year to one of those organizations, then find, you know, invite someone else into what we're trying to do and, and invite someone else into the storytelling concept so they can hear about what's going on and they can um, be a part of transforming nonprofit organizations in Central Florida. So those would be kind of the two things right off the bat. And then, you know, we always are looking for volunteers for our events and then just really strong leaders, you know, um, entrepreneurs. And I love meeting people who have had a business in this community for 10 plus years and saying, hey, I want you to come to Victory Cup and hear about hear about what's going on, you know, what's going on all over Central Florida that you may not be seeing in your daily commute or when you take your child to school or when you're going to church on Sunday. And do you guys have social media platforms and a website and all that good stuff where people can donate or reach out? Yes, we, we would love the most talented, innovative, artistic, creative, social media expert to come and call me and volunteer for the next five years and run our LinkedIn, <laughs> our, our Instagram, our Facebook, and um, we will get you a Costco membership and a gift card to Chick-fil-A and a lot of high fives and, um, and we would just love some social media. <laughs> it's just not a language I speak. And it is so important. It is so important. And I get it. And it's it's just, it's everything. And so we would love some help in that area. Being completely yes. honest, we, we do, we do have, we do have some. <laughs> what's, what's funny is we're holding a webinar on, I forget what date me and Ashley just selected to have a webinar on, on maximizing Black social media for your nonprofit. <laughs> oh, well, I need to, I need to so like watch it eight We'll make sure, we'll make sure you get that. But Matt, Matt, who works in our department, in our uh, marketing department, he helps, he helps me. I always, I, I reach out to him. I reach out, you know, Ashley knows I reach out. I'm like, hey, what do I do with this? <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm not, uh, you're probably better than I am, but I'm not, I'm not savvy with it the way that you need to be savvy with it. You're right. I mean, there's so much, especially with the younger generations. I mean, you know, to some degree, that's the only, that's their, their first and only source of information is, is is you know this this guy so you know mm -hmm. the more that you can connect with more people um it's just yeah we all need it's to be helpful. better it's you know, I think it's, you know i'm a solicitor you know that's what i do i have a company called Van strategies and i met with a nonprofit. And they're like oh we need to raise money we need to do this and i said how's your social media right because everyone wants to know what's my social media strategy and, and i said what's your social media strategy they said oh we just interviewed someone but i mean she wanted twelve thousand dollars for a year I said, grab her. <laughs> I said, $12,000 to reach everybody who's 40 and yeah. under? Like, run, don't walk. Secure that person. That is an amazing yeah. gift to your organization because I respect it. You know, I, I'm not proud to say I'm not good at it. I'm, I'm embarrassed that you asked that question, Ashley, because I, we need to... We need to be really responsible about it. You know, I I, I feel very strongly about that. I um, it's it's really really important. Yeah, there's nothing to be embarrassed about either. And like you said, every organization has things that they're really great at, and other aspects that maybe they need a little help with. And that's 
like anything and everybody, you know, and it's awesome because social media is basically, I mean, there can be paid ways to um, get followers and get your message out there, but it's pretty much free promotion of your stuff that's going on. So as much as everything's out there as it is, there's, there's always extra help that comes from the promotion that can be done on these platforms. And it's awesome. And there's definitely tons of different opportunities for it, but um, yeah, somebody out, somebody out there will be like, yes, I'm hundred percent on board. I want to help them. Their mission is wonderful. And, and that's all a part of like what you were saying, you talk about what you do, you talk about your mission and people end up kind of coming into your world now because they've heard about what you do. They want to help. And, and again, not everybody can be an expert in everything and that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I do want to just talk about one other piece of Victory Cup. Um, one of the key pillars of Victory Cup is about connecting people to giving. And we really believe that people may or may not give for a couple different reasons. And, and I personally believe that people don't give because one, it wasn't modeled for them when they were growing up. Maybe their mom or dad didn't give. Or two, um, a lot of giving principles are spiritual. And so some people aren't spiritual or they haven't found a practice that they identify with. So there aren't spiritual teachings about giving that they identify with. Um, the third reason why I think people don't give and when I say give, I mean financially, but also of their time, because time for me is my most valuable asset right now. Um, but people don't give because they haven't found that one mission that resonates with them 100% with who they are. And at the beginning of our conversation, I talked about over these last five years, there have only been two people who have actually said to me, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think this is going to work. And both people, I asked them, I said, as the conversation continued to evolve, I said, if I were to give you $20,000 and you could give it to any organization that you wanted to, who would, what organization would you give it to? Or what cause would you give it to? And when I would hear them explain who they would give it to, I would get to know their heart, right? I got to know who they were as people. I got to understand where they were coming from and why that cause was important to them. One woman was very passionate about prison reform and about working with um, people when they get released from prison. You know, that's a very personal passion, right? There's a story there and, and, and a very important story. Um, the other person really was passionate about not helping foster kids, not helping foster teens, but helping people, children who had made it through traumatic childhoods, but were on their own in their 20s. He was very specific about that. It was about helping children who had had traumatic childhoods or had been abandoned in what they were doing in their 20s. He really felt like that population of people had been forgotten. Well, whether or not after my conversation, they've supported Victory Cup or loved Victory Cup or not, I was able to establish a lifelong relationship with those people. And now they're my friend. And whether they believe in my work or not, I believe in them and I got to see their heart and I wanna be, I wanna support them and who they are. And so that's really what 
Victory Cup is about. It's about exposing people to what's really going on and then encouraging them to get involved, to give financially, to give through their time, to volunteer, or potentially to give a service and something that's in kind. I, I love where your head's at on this. And I think, um, as I told you in our initial call, you know, when, uh, you know, if you can just sign the book and send it over to me when you're done writing it, I think, you know, you have such a great story, such a great background, such a, a powerful message. And, and it's really the gift that keeps on giving, right? You know, I mean, you talk about generosity, but, but you know, there, there's a pay it forward concept that you're talking about that resonates where not only are we, not only are we teaching people how to sell their own story, but we're also teaching those people so they can teach people so that they can teach people. And it seems as though that, that, that gift is exponential and then you're getting people in front of corporations. So you're, you're developing a network for them. Uh, you know, there's so much to what you do that, that, that resonates and, and, and creates this lasting impact that it's, it's really inspiring to hear. So, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time with us and sharing your story with us. I think this, you know, it was definitely, uh, definitely, you know, uh, inspiring to me as well as eye-opening to just hear kind of how you go about it and and um, you know some of the impact you've had already as well as kind of where where you're taking it. I think I think it's a it's a a wonderful organization and a wonderful uh, mission that you have. Well, thank you so much. All right, thanks, guys. Hey, warriors! Thanks for tuning in. On the next episode of Civic Warriors, we'll talk with Serena Greco from People Are There or Pat about raising awareness to mental health issues and being there for your friends, family, and community. Make sure to subscribe to Civic Warriors, and thanks for all your support. Have a great day.